quiz time. Yay! See, so, conspiracy theories. They're pretty crazy sometimes. Um, one which is quite relevant at the moment is the one that says that 5G is to blame for COVID-19. That it was engineered and it is responsible for the pandemic. Sounds pretty outrageous, but people believe it, right? Um, there's another theory from back in 2016, um, fun fact, that's when I finished school, um, called the pizza cake conspiracy. Um, essentially this conspiracy was that a pizzeria called Comet Ping Pong was supposedly headquarters for a child trafficking ring led by Hillary Clinton during her presidential campaign in 2016. Now this is very obviously incorrect, um, pretty out there, but people believed it and they took radical and dangerous action. They threatened staff members of that pizza place and then one day, a guy actually walked in with a gun saying that he went in to self-investigate. That's pretty crazy. But thankfully, no one was hurt. After, um, but after the incident, James Alephantis, who is the owner of the pizzeria, called out the dangers of fake news in his statement, which will be in the slides, the next one. There we go. Um, so he said, what happened today demonstrates that promoting false and reckless conspiracy theories comes with consequences. I hope that those involved in fanning these flames will take a moment to contemplate what happened here today and stop promoting these falsehoods right away. Today, we're going to be looking at um, the conclusion of Jesus' iconic Sermon on the Mount. I mean, Jesus warns us about the importance of knowing the difference between truth and falsehood. Just like the incident in the pizza place, Fanning the flames of falsehood is damaging and dangerous, and it has serious consequences. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the truth today. Um, so before we go any further, um, we're just going to stop and quickly outline what we mean by the truth when we say the truth. When we talk about the truth, we talk about the truth of the gospel, the message of Jesus, that he, the Son of God, came to earth as a man, teaching people what it means to follow God and what it looks like to follow God, and then ultimately dying on a cross and rising from the dead to save us from our sins, to save us from the punishment we deserved for rejecting God as king so we can be in relationship with him. Now, that's very brief, and if you are like, whoa, what the heck, that's really cool, I want to hear more about that, that would be a great thing to ask myself or Josh or one of your leaders. We would love to chat to you about that more. Um, but for now, we're going to jump into our passage. So we have our first point for today. We have two options. So keep your Bibles open. Jesus at the start of this passage gives us this image of two gates which open up to two roads with two distinct destinations. So starting at verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. So Jesus gives us this image of two gates. So we're going to flesh out a little bit what those gates mean. Firstly, there is the wide gate, which opens up to the wide road. This road is a more comfortable of the two options. Um, it's a road um, that is 
of a life that is comfortable, it is easy, it's filled with worldly pleasures, but it is a road of ignoring Jesus and just going about our own lives. And Jesus says that many people will enter through this gate and go down this road. Then we have our second gate. There's the narrow gate, which opens up to the narrow road. This road isn't as comfortable. It's actually hard. Um, it is the life of a Christian. It is someone who chooses to follow Jesus in everything and with everything. It's demanding, it's difficult, and it has obstacles. And Jesus says that only few will enter through this gate and go down this road. But the most important thing about these two options, though, is actually the destination of these two roads. So we come back to our wide road, the wide road, the more comfortable life rejecting Jesus. It ultimately leads to ruin, destruction and death. But the narrow road, the more challenging life as a follower of Christ leads to life. The narrow road is challenging, but it leads to eternal life through Jesus. And this is the way that Jesus has been teaching his followers to live all throughout the Sermon of the Mount. Um, Jesus has talked in chapter 6, so the chapter before, about how we cannot have split devotion. We cannot have or serve two masters. And in this passage now, he is telling us that we have to choose. We need to choose between the kingdom of God, which leads to life, or the kingdom of worldly pleasures and sin, which leads to death and destruction. There's no little extra detours or little side paths where you can like get on the easy road and then detour onto the, little, the narrow one for the destination. Um, Jesus says it doesn't work like that. There's actually just two roads which lead to the two destinations. And the outcome of those two paths is either eternal life or eternal destruction. Um, has anyone here ever done an escape room before? Quite a few of you. I hadn't until yesterday. This is a photo of myself, Adrian, Meg, and Anders, their friends, um, after we completed the escape room. Um, and it was very intense. My brain hurt a lot afterwards. But basically, what you gotta do is you gotta figure out all these clues, and you gotta get the clues right to be able to escape. Um, and it's usually not the most obvious or the easiest thing in the room that actually leads to your escape. Um, but it's ultimately worth the effort because the end result is freedom. And I was very stressed in doing it, so I was very glad to be out of the room. Um, but the distinct life on the narrow path isn't going to be easy, but it is entirely worth it because the end result, the destination of this narrow road is eternal life. It is the road worth taking. And in fact, it is the only road that we should take because the only other option is death and destruction. Um, which leads us to our second point today of false believers. Um, Jesus says there will be people, however, who try to make us stray from the narrow path to the wide gate and the wide path. So Jesus continues to warn us about these people, looking in verse 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. We see here in verse 15 
that these people may not be the people who are shouting at us or insulting us for being a Christian, but Jesus says that these people are actually people who seem to be good with Jesus. We see in the following verses that they're calling him Lord. They're doing all of the Christian things. And some of them, Jesus says, are even prophets or teachers. But what does Jesus say about them? They come to you as sheep, but inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. They are imitators of a believer, and yet they are not. They warp the truth to be a lie. And the scary thing is that this lie can be attractive. It can be appealing to us. It doesn't have to be an obvious outright lie. For example, like them saying, Jesus didn't die and Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But a slight change which alters the truth. But the thing is, when you warp the truth, it's no longer the truth. It becomes a lie. Um, here are a few common examples of this attractively warped truth. We're going to look into a few now. Um, prosperity gospel. Simply put, this prosperity gospel teaches us that God wants believers to be physically healthy, materially wealthy, and personally happy. It's living our lives for ourselves and our own pleasure and not for God. It's actually demanding these things from God. Um, and we see um, in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 6, so just before, um, says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's in verse 19. Then we skip forward to verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That one doesn't really work together. That gospel debunked. Not real. Um, then we move on to a sinless gospel. The idea that Jesus loves you no matter what, which is true. He does because he died for you while you were still rejecting him and that's the best. But in response to that then that we don't need to change anything and we can keep living our lives in peace. Sin isn't really a thing, doesn't bother you, and so therefore don't need to do anything about it. Um, but we see at the end of Matthew's Gospel in chapter 28, just before Jesus goes back to heaven, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Obedience to God's commands and fleeing sin come with salvation. If you are a follower of Jesus, then we are commanded to change our lives to follow him. So sin is a big deal. All right, moving on to the next one. So we're going through these very quickly. If you have more questions, ask your leaders. We have a selective gospel which is kind of picking and choosing what we want to believe. Choosing to put something down to context because it is hard to grapple with or for us to understand. Um, we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, it says, All scripture is God-breathed 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says that all scripture is God-breathed. It is the literal words of God. And so to dismiss something, something flippantly, saying it's all down to context and doesn't apply to us, is putting ourselves above God's authority in his word, which is just wrong. Who are we to say that God is wrong? We can't say that. Uh, we cannot pick and choose our belief because there's only one truth. Then we go into cults. Cults which um, appeal to people's desires and their social beliefs. Um, the next slide. This is a post from the Uni Bible Group, formerly known as the Evangelical Christian Union. And they posted to Instagram to warn Christians of people messaging them, particularly through Instagram, um, to chat or ask questions about Jesus. However, um, the Uni Bible Group have warned people, and they posted this to warn people, saying that this appears to be a tactic of some cult groups which are not mainstream of biblical Christianity. These people reach out and invite people into conversations in order to warp the truth and try and convince Christians of the lie that they are trying to tell them. This stuff really happens. This is a recent thing. This is happening right now. So this stuff happens. We can't pretend that it doesn't. Um, but we see in verses 16 to 20 of our passage today that there are ways to help us identify falsehood. Um, these people will be recognized by their fruit, by the way that they live their lives. They practice what they preach, and that is an indicator of falsehood. Um, James Macbeth said of a situation of his father experienced with a false teacher um, many years ago, um, that the people who loved the truth, they picked the lie that this person was serving and saying, and the behaviour that started to flow out of that lie. So those who loved the truth picked that lie and the behaviour that started to flow out of the lie. If you love the truth, you will live by the truth. If you love falsehood, you will live by that falsehood. And the problem is, there is only one objective truth. We live in a world which tells us that truth is subjective. It is your truth. It can be whatever you want it to. It is your truth. Sorry to burst your bubble. Simply wrong. That's not true. Um, Jesus can't have both died and not died and risen and not risen. One of them has to be wrong. And we know through the Bible and other sources that Jesus did in fact die and rise from the dead. These wolves appear to be gentle and seemingly care deeply about the message of Jesus, but they have forsaken the truth for a lie and they cause others to stray from the truth. And we see in verses 21 to 23 that Jesus says there is a serious consequence for being a false follower or a false disciple. Some people who appear to know him and do all of the Christian stuff don't actually see him as Lord. And so Jesus says, 
that he will reject them and say he never knew them when he returns. That is a scary truth. Some people who have been deceived by these false gospels, who think that they will enter the kingdom of heaven, will only realize when Jesus returns in glory that they were so wrong, that they were misled and they were deceived. And at that point, it's too late. I don't know about you guys, but that terrifies me and it makes me really, really sad. The stakes are so, so high. And that is why we need to put in the work to know the truth, to cling to it and to live by it. It is a real danger. We don't want you guys to think that this kind of deception or false teaching doesn't happen because it does. And we want you to be on your guard, to know the truth and to love the truth so that you can pick out the lies. And one of the main ways to do this is to know the truth. We need to be deep into God's word to be able to discern the truth from the lies. We love the truth and long to know the truth because God is truth and he is completely trustworthy. The desire to know the truth comes from God and his character. And we don't just long to know the truth, but to be shaped by the truth and transformed by it. And we see in verse 21, the true disciple calls Jesus Lord and they show it in the way that they live. So moving on to point three, the foundation of truth. So this leads us into our next part of the passage. Um, it's a super well-known parable by Jesus, um, but when read in conjunction with the whole of Jesus' sermon, it is critical. So starting at verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus teaches us, that we are not to simply live, um, we are not to simply hear his words, but to put them into action, to make the truth our foundation. Now you may be thinking, what the heck does building houses have to do with what Jesus has just told us throughout his entire sermon? Why does he finish this big grand sermon on the mount with building advice? Fair question. Um, but Jesus is giving us an illustration to help us to understand what he is saying. Um, once again, we have two options. So we're going to go through these really quickly. These houses represent similar ideas to the two gates at the beginning of our passage today. So firstly, we have the house that is built on the sand. The sand of foolishness, which is linked to the wide gate and the wide road. Then we have the house built on the rock, the sturdy foundation, which is linked to the narrow gate and the narrow road. Jesus says 
that if we are not grounded in the truth, then we are on the wide road with our house built on the sand of foolishness and falsehood to be ultimately destroyed. So we need to be built, we need to be grounded in the foundation of the rock, the truth, which stands firm with the destination of the narrow road being eternal life. And there is a reason why we tell you guys to bring your paper Bibles to growth groups and to church and senior high and to keep them open. We want you as, um, we want to be keeping you guys accountable to us. We want you to be keeping us accountable for teaching you the truth. We all desire, all of us leaders, we desire to teach you the truth from God's word and we put in the work to ensure that it is the truth we teach. But we aren't perfect people. We stuff up, we are sinful, and we don't always get it right. Um, We don't know everything. And so we want you guys to be looking into God's word, desiring to know the truth and love it for yourselves, not just taking what we say for granted. It's a hard challenge, but we want you guys to be questioning what you learn. If something doesn't make sense, or you see in the Bible, you're reading it for yourself, and you're like, hmm, I don't know if that actually lines up with what the Bible is saying, then we want you to tell us. Say something about it. We believe and love the truth so much, we think it's so important that we would prefer to be corrected in line with God's word than to have taught you something which isn't true and have you walk away accepting it as truth and simply taking it as truth because you didn't think critically about it. Desire to know and to love the truth because God himself is truth and the stakes are life or death in choosing what we believe. Which leads us to our last point for today. So live a distinct life with Jesus as Lord. Jesus is Lord. In verses 28 and 29, we see that he has authority because he is God. And unlike the teachers of the law who are just not getting it right, we are told as followers of Jesus to live a radically different and distinct life from the world with him as Lord. To choose a completely different path to the comfortable one of sin and worldly pleasures. We saw this command earlier in chapter 5 when Jesus calls us to be lights in the world. So in verse 16 of chapter 5 we see, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to live that life as distinct people who stand out for being followers of Jesus. We don't want the people around us at school, in our sporting teams, wherever we are, to only be figuring out that we're Christian after knowing us for several months. That's just not good enough. Our lives should be so starkly different as the light is to the dark. To be lights in a world that chooses the comfortable path, rejecting the authority and truth of Jesus. So be discerning. Do not conform to the easy path of life 
but rather cling to the truth and live according to it. Be on your guard and looking deeply into God's word to be able to cling to the truth and to pick out the lies, the bad fruit, uh, when you come to face falsehood. Build your foundation of your life of faith on the truth of Jesus. Believe in your heart that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead for you. This is the truth. And Jesus says it is imperative that we know it, love it, and live by it. Why is it so important to be discerning about the truth? Because the stakes are life and death. Doesn't get that more, much more extreme than that. Live a distinct life with Jesus as Lord. Because he promises that the destination of that narrow path is eternal life with God. And the journey on that road will be well worth it. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, thank you that you are truth. Lord, thank you that we have your word and that we can know and love the truth and you've given it to us and revealed your son to us. Father, please be helping us to be on our guard so that we can discern the truth from the lies, those dangerous, ferocious wolves. Lord, help us to know and love the truth so that we will cling to it in these situations. Help us to not think that it doesn't happen because you know that it does. Please be preparing us by your spirit to cling to and live by the truth. Amen.